0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. People say, What do you want to do after football? And I'm like, What do you mean after football? There's nothing after football. This is what, you know, I was born to do, and this is what I enjoy doing more than anything else.
1: Going to world.
2: Let's go! Let's go, baby! Goes to the end zone. Oh, wow. Tom Brady first NFL touchdown pass.
1: Tom Brady probably is. Never tried to engineer a drive more improbable than this.
0: Steps up, throws down the middle.
1: Catch made by Austin
0: Cully. Clock.
3: Clock. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Wilson, quick throw. And good. Intercepted. Intercepted by go. the Bortles. <laughs>
0: Toss to White. He's in. Patriots win the Super Bowl. Brady has his fifth. What a comeback! Tom Brady is a Super Bowl champion again for the record-setting seventh time. The greatest player who ever lived has
3: now retired. The Bucks need a quarterback, and Tom Brady walks into the Hall of Fame probably unanimous.
2: Probably. Definitely. Unanimously. Tom Brady has ended the greatest career in the history of the NFL. That's coming from a Jets fan. 22 years, a run of dominance both. Statistically, and as a team competitor, a guy who uh, went to 10 Super Bowls, won seven of them. And boys, as we begin a very special edition of the Around the NFL podcast, Dan us with Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. Greg, I think this stat kind of sums things up. There, You can't sum everything up with Tom Brady's career, uh, which ended today with an official Instagram announcement with just one note but this kind of gives you an idea. When Brady won his first Super Bowl in his second NFL season, that was way back in the 2001 season with the Patriots, he was the youngest starting quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. When Tom Brady won his last Super Bowl in his second to last season with the Bucks, he was the oldest starting quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl at 43. He never the the gradual decline, Greg. No, he never declined. (laughs) Thank you for that
4: motivation that you gave him. I think you motivated him. Yeah, Yeah. he.
2: There you go. He never declined, and I think there's so many things to look back on, but the fact that he never got old like the rest of us and every one of his peers—that's what stands out to me.
4: Right. The last two years, I think, in Tampa are gonna be remembered so much because not only did it kind of you know, spike the football on any debate over who's the greatest ever, if it wasn't decided anymore, it was setting boundaries that no one's even thought about. Because his last season in New England, uh, when they struggled down the stretch, when they lost in the first round of the playoffs, was easily the greatest season by a 42-year-old quarterback in the history of the sport. Like nothing had ever even been close. No one had ever played an entire season as a 42-year-old in the history of the sport. And that was him actually looking like he was proving you right, Dan, a gradual decline. And then to go to Tampa and to have back-to-back seasons where you won the MVP – Uh, Rather, the Super Bowl MVP, where in the last eight or nine games of the season, he was clearly the best quarterback in the league. And this year, he would have gotten my vote for MVP. Reasonable minds can disagree, but certainly one of the best two or three players. Not too late. In the entire uh, NFL. I know if Tom Brady had been thinking, uh, he would have announced this like leading into week 18. And then I think he definitely wins the award over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, But unfortunately, the, the votes are in. The longevity is is part of it, but it's longevity with excellence because he was better post age 36, I think, than, than he was before, which is just hard to fathom. I mean, I, I'd,
3: I'd argue that at age 43, you know, last season that he had more signature moments than 90% of all quarterbacks, you know, shoved together. I mean, the ones that fail in all of them, the good ones. I mean, we, prior to Matthew Stafford coming to the Rams, I remember thinking like, I can't come up with five signature Matthew Stafford moments yet. Yeah, he's a very good quarterback, but Brady just unfurled them and authored them nonstop. And I mean, this is a guy that like essentially, I didn't matter if it was week four in 2006 or the Super Bowl, the height of the game, like each individual contest was, um, Brady's sort of like Russian novel of intense focus. Um, passion. He was wedded to the moment, and I think if you listen to it, it is instructive to me—not just what we think and journos think and, and podcasters, but his own teammates. And I think they lived essentially, uh, you know, in the sunlight of his presence. I mean, they they loved being his teammate, and you know, I don't—I I, I loved watching Tom Brady, and I, I for all of us and for so many people, he encapsulated the obviously an incredible span of time. But for me, what it started as the biggest height of my fandom where i never had any thought back then that i would work in football i just loved watching it. it it absorbed my sundays and to go through the iterations of his career and to come and do what we've done and follow it along and the fact that he's still here doing what he's doing um i, I d- we're never going to see anything like it and I, I i utterly laugh at these con anyone still bringing up anyone else at quarterback level that's that's anything better than tom brady he is Heads and tails above anyone else, and he's better than Michael Jordan. He's better than anyone. Mm. He's set the oh, standard. Whoa, 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 no, no, no. Whoa, I'm not whoa, whoa, whoa. Like he, whoa, whoa, whoa. he is absolutely. <laughs> he is. And it, football is different than these other sports. He is the standard. There is nothing else. Well, and that, for me. Well, that
2: becomes bad if you think football is a better sport than the other. So I think we don't need to have a Jordan to, versus
3: longevity. It's tougher, right?
2: The longevity and what he was able to do. I think that's part of the story. And I think like when. When the Peyton Manning retired after winning Super Bowl 50, there was a conversation still, like, who is the greatest of this era, maybe of all time? And then Brady went on to play six more years. It was like those six years were Hall of Fame-level years. Here's a little bit from Tom Brady and his... Um, Instagram message after you know it be it's almost started to become a little bit absurd the Saturday reporting by ESPN and then it was hanging out there if this would have carried on too much longer it would have started to feel weird so I'm happy that if Brady really was walking away it didn't drag out too much longer here is the official statement or a part of it from Brady this is difficult for me to write but here it goes I am not going to make that competitive commitment anymore I have loved my NFL career and now It is time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. Uh, One of the things, Greg, also about Brady's incredible career was that for so much of it, he was public enemy number one because of his success, because he had so many things in his favors. uh, um, The team he was on, on, the individual accolades, he was a good-looking guy, he had the model wife, uh, he was the most famous athlete in the country. So when, when he failed even, when the team failed or when Brady failed or there was scandal like the Spygate scandal uh, or Deflategate or 18-1 and one or, you know, pick the Super Bowl loss, um, there was always this general idea of like whoever was on the right side against Brady and had the victory – like, it made it even more special. Like, I could say as a Jets fan, like, my number one win ever was the divisional playoffs up in Foxborough in 2010. Like, going into there and beating Brady, for me as a Jets fan and many others like me,
4: that was number one because of Brady. And to be that sort of measuring stick in a team sport like football is what's unprecedented. And I, and that's part of why I, I started talking about the Bucs thing because it did help separate Brady from just what they accomplished um in new england but you you mentioned that debate like the manning brady debate it i i do want to kind of go back to to 2013 that super bowl that it was the seahawks broncos and in the, the front cover of nfl.com this morning that morning was will a win in this game by peyton manning and they were favored which is hard to remember because they lost by 35 will this win <laughs> cement Peyton Manning as the greatest ever. And I don't think that was a hot take at that point. It was kind of like this would put him over the top of Tom Brady at that time. It, w- it wasn't that long ago. And so the way that Tom Brady became the greatest ever was actually during our era, was during the around the NFL era. We we saw many of those games. He He's he's the greatest because of that era. S- since then, you know, that they won four titles or he won four titles. The Patriots had three of them. He, he got the MVP. He was really a top three quarterback almost every one of those seasons except for that, that ending one in the Patriots. And now we're at the point where Eli Manning is sending out tweets and saying, like, you are the greatest to ever do it. Even Peyton Manning's brother isn't even considering the fact um, that, that he could be competitive uh, with Tom Brady. And, like, I think about... I think about that comeback against the Hawks as against the Seahawks as the single most important game of his career personally, Um, because it ended the 10 years that they didn't have. It was against the number one defense of that year, the defining defense of that year. At the time, it was the greatest fourth quarter comeback in the history uh, of the Super Bowl. And and Malcolm Butler helped him along the way. But it really did just change things of where he went because he changed as a quarterback really around oh six oh seven. That's when his peak started. He was waylaid for two years by the ACL, wasn't quite the same by oh nine. From ten on he was just like full Tom Brady uh the rest of the way and the wins started stacking up and even the years that they didn't win the Super Bowl like included that Eagles game where he probably had his best Super Bowl performance, the 2015 AFC championship against the Broncos, which to me is one of the most memorable games he ever had with Gronk against that Broncos team. And they had no offensive line, no running game. And he still almost got them there. That's the thing is like, he has as many memorable losses as any quarterback in the history of the NFL, which is, which is wild too. I mean, to your point, like since turning
3: 40, he's 70 and 24 with 191 (laughs) touchdowns. I, I think any debate with Peyton Manning, which was juicy for a solid era, um, had vanished a long time ago. I, there, we never saw him suck. I love That's kind of what I love is that, you know, we just came off the whole Big Ben experience where it, it visually and psychologically tarnished what we think about, what I thought about Big Ben. Just the end. The end is so wrong. And like the 2010 Brett Favre season is still this like um, stink trap at the what end about of Peyton what Manning? was in
2: the you win well, the Super Bowl, but he all was right, but a that shell. Really,
3: like, yeah, it was. I mean, the, despite him, almost they won it. And right. That's not the way you want to go out. But Tom Brady, like, easily could have played next season. I easily. I mean, he was an MVP. He should, I would. I'm with you, Greg. I'd vote for him for MVP this year. So it's it, it's hard to leave football as a quarterback, but as anyone in a graceful way. Almost everyone wants to go one or two years too far, where you look vulnerable. You don't look yourself, and our memories of you change. Our impression of you changes. He somehow goes out um, almost in Jim Brown fashion, but not after, you know, less than a decade. An incredibly, incredibly long career that like no one's ever going to touch this. This will never happen again. And we've seen something that will never happen again.
2: He provided a roadmap, you could say, for other quarterbacks to attempt it, whether it's how he takes care of his body or who he surrounds himself with. But it does feel like it is like a, a once in a generation, once in a century type situation that he could go out. Um. This way, he led the league in yardage and touchdowns. There's and no other th-
4: quarterback like it. I I have to do this article ranking of Super Bowl era quarterbacks every year, and I tried. I went through like the top 20 and tried to look for something similar, and there wasn't really any. Right. Montana and his, actually was somewhat close, but not. Not. But even, even really. he he was definitely not the same
2: guy in Kansas City as he was with San Francisco. Montana course, got replaced you
3: know? and couldn't stay healthy. Right. But there's no. But comparison. the
2: fact that Brady's career ended, um. In Tampa in a very disappointing way, obviously. You're defending a title. Um, but he did lead them on a twenty seven three comeback. Uh <laughs> they got that game tied. His last touchdown pass was a, a bomb down the right sideline. You never questioned Tom Brady's arm strength as he uh edged into his mid forties, beating Jalen Ramsey for a touchdown. You did.
4: West did too. I remember this. I didn't like it. Didn't what? like it back in twenty nineteen, you know. Well, all right. okay. Calm down. Take it easy. But
2: I'm saying in once his he had the sustained secondary peak, you never questioned anything about his physical tools. In fact, what made him a marvel also was yeah, how he it seemed like he was moving better. He wasn't faster necessarily, but he had mastered this the the intellectual element of the game and still had the physical skill. So he almost you know, if he would have went out on a back to back title in Tampa, I guess that's the ultimate storybook ending. But this isn't a bad consolation
3: prize. Can I offer one gripe, and it has nothing to do with Tom Brady at all? Um it is the way this whole thing played out, and you mentioned it, Dan. I, it, it to me is deflating, and it's like um, Christopher Hitchens said that news, by definition, is what you don't know already and what you might not like when you get it. I really um, am a little. I know this is like I, they're all part of our business, but the breaking news culture that we have, where this thing, uh, if if there was ever a player to like not go, you know, skirt around the idea of honoring how Tom Brady would leave the game, but to have this thing break. The day it did, takes the air out of the balloon, um, and probably disrupted the way that completely disrupted the way Brady would have wanted to do it and forced him to do it today. Cause, cause you're right. It's like lingering. It's weird. We've got to get an official mm. statement. I, it's one example of like, can we chill? Can we ever chill and like let someone go out on the, this? Is one guy that deserved to go do it his own way. And instead, it's like, I've got to get my news flash out there. Super tedious. I'm not yeah, too, well, I'm I, I not too precious about
4: that. that. I just feel like. I know you're not. I'm, I know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm I just mean outlier. that it's. I just
3: found it annoying. It's like people derive it. Just because it's under.
4: news, ultimately, and it's like, it's just. You know, if he want, if he wants to announce it, then he he could announce it when he knew for sure. And otherwise, it's just like any other story. To me, it, just, it doesn't take anything away. Like Saturday got a, a great day of it, and everyone's talking. And today's getting a great day of it, and we're going to be talking about him for the rest of our lives. I think you know, it, like, I think
3: it's I would imagine it seriously annoyed Tom Brady. It I think it had, he said it. He was out you. of the country. He
2: was out of the country on Saturday you're trying to enjoy some peace and quiet, and it blew up. So I think absolutely it would qualify. Let's call it a bummer the way it's set up for him. But I think a year from now, certainly five years from now, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, we're not going to be thinking back to the
4: Schefter uh, situation, I, I know, but I, know, I see I your greater point. And poor Darlington you know. keeps getting left out every time I hear well, people you talk you about know, this. Because you whenever know, you, you do this, like Darlington. I
3: have it, but so does <laughs>
4: you know Guy B. I don't, guy don't B. care. My guess that guy was Darlington story. probably had it more because he he really developed. But that's that not who was, he didn't get the lead yet. billing. So yeah, take yeah, it up with ESPN, Greg. Yeah, he. I do appreciate though. Tom knew we were taping today. He let our podcast be better by doing it this morning, and he also really. Thumbed his nose at Jim Gray because he taped an edition of the Let's Go podcast on Monday evening. And in that podcast, he said he hadn't made his decision you know, about we retiring. I mean, this—it's a tough spot for the Let's Go podcast. Let's we, be real. Imagine we, if we, if one of us announced something important about our careers or our lives uh, on our Instagram, like immediately after we taped the podcast. like Let's Go. Good.
3: Let's go off the air. I mean, yeah, because I now to, you now Tom to, Brady is not a you know, huge podcast. yeah. And by the agent, way, so. if you
4: watch that po- if you're going to listen to
2: that podcast going forward, it's going to be like. Tom Hawking is health supplements. So enjoy, enjoy the content there. Uh, Yeah, it it does. I think we kind of had this one nailed though. The fact that the podcast had no real presence until last week and, and doesn't even get that. But on the, on the subject, Ricky, I want to bring Ricky Hollywood in here. She is a lifelong Patriots fan and Erica that the Tom Brady goodbye message was 700 words. Um, The image was Tom in a Bucks uniform and over those seven hundred words, Gillette, he never
1: Dan. That picture was him at Gillette. That is such an f you. Are you? Kidding
2: he never me? mentioned Bill Belichick. He never mentioned the Patriots or Robert Kraft, and he never mentioned you, the Ever. fan. Take me through it.
1: <laughs> well, okay. First of all, my friends, my group chat back home, going crazy, very upset, very, very, very upset. And and I agree with them. It's it's hard to. <laughs> see this yes we got our thank you a few years ago and and did he say specifically retire in that post no so he is stepping away so he's thanking the bucks organization for him to put that picture of it my voice is like this because i've been crying all morning no i was screaming about the Bengals, but um i i was actually like okay this is like whatever thank you tom for like the best memories like i am honored to like that he is why i love sports like tom brady has been you know that failsafe forever but it's like to throw the photo of him in the bucks uniform at gillette like that is <laughs> that is petty bro like Come on.
2: And then now now the counterpoint from Greg where he tells you it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Yeah, Greg. He, he
4: also sent he did send out after oh, he must thank have heard you. the feedback. He Wait, it, but something. you understand. All right, let's feedback. just
2: let's just break this down, because let's not leave anything that, you know, out out in the open and with any type of like a lack of awareness of how this played out. He writes the 700 words. He pours over every word and goes over it with all his people. Or maybe he just reads it 100 times and runs it p- past his dad he sends it out purposely keeping New England and everything that element of his life out of it, which it seems impossible to do for a guy that played 20 years then. And then when that becomes like, and this is why I think it was ultimately not the right move for slow. there are multiple reasons, but like that's going to be what people take out of it. And that's the story that started going viral this morning, which leads him to send out the two line tweet, which by the way, bro, the, you know, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. I just wonder, and this is all more just, Greg, just kind of fun to speculate on all this stuff, but there has to be something more to some of the relationship dynamics that that he chose to do that. I hope they work it out in time because you want him coming to Foxborough for different events and you want him part of it, but that really struck me as odd. I was going through because you have to scroll through the messages. You scroll through the statement through the Instagram post, and I'm waiting for the New England part, and it just never came.
4: I think it is instructive that he sent like a four-page thing when he left New England, like extolling the virtues of Bill Belichick and extolling all the people there and thanking them and Robert Kraft. Like he did that. Like you can go look at those. Oh, those carry images. that water, Rosenthal. No, I just. Come on. I just. He's I retiring also, now. He's he's talking about everything he'd done in his career,
2: and he doesn't mention the place where he won six titles and went to nine Super Bowls.
4: I guess I guess I'm wired differently. Because yeah, it's, you think. It seems crazy to me that like sports that me? the fans would be so self-involved and like unappreciative. That feel, Greg, yeah. Greg,
1: Greg, Greg, <laughs> Greg, you are out of control. Seems, like I, I'm not even in New England and I'm not like some of my crazy but, friends. like, they're, they're like
4: I, I think they, the Boston sports fans are the worst sports fans in the world because of that. Like because it like they make right, it, it sort does, of about it, it themselves. Could have been
2: any, about any fan you. base in the country would have been personally hurt
4: by that. Of but
1: course, it doesn't matter. You could put if it we on were, Boston it, if you want. If we were Eagles fans, we'd be chucking batteries at people because it's like, it's, what, you're going to call us the worst? For, like, it's, it's base. Different I don't than,
3: It's different than an actor, Um, you know, finally, after many years, winning like an Academy Award and thanking his second wife, but ignoring his first wife, who he divorced. Like, <laughs> this is where his career was built. Um, I, I do think that, to Dan's point, if you, like, that was a meticulously thought-out message, and so he meticulously thought... Out, leaving New England, not in it. Um, oh, and, he did. And, uh, he was
1: in New England but, in the freaking photo.
3: Well, okay, but don't you think that like everyone's <laughs> that intentional? Everyone and in, everyone attached to putting that message out knew that like every talking head's gonna go crazy over the fact that the Patriots weren't messi- weren't weren't in it. So,
4: well, you, you maybe, know what's gonna. I happen. guess I hadn't thought about it that much, but maybe that. I mean, that's like what's oh, helped m- <laughs> make Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady. You know, like I guess I guess I'm at the I point. Think you're where, right. Like that's, that's what made him great. I, and I, but I also just don't think like this one statement, it's one everyone is, is paying attention rightfully and, and sure, it does. Yeah. It deserves some attention. He is the way he has spoken about Belichick this season. The fact that they spent 25 minutes in the locker room, just the two of them after that week four game and the way that they spoke about each other after that. And throughout the last two seasons, to me like that means just as much or mm-hmm. like it like you know what I mean? Like doesn't so matter. you're saying here's, that it was an, an oversight? Absurd. I don't. I don't. Not an oversight, a- but just it, it. You can, you can take it all in, and like I take the, all the those words that he said throughout the last two seasons, the previous statements, and I take the fact that that he left him out here, maybe because he's a competitor. You're right. Like, and and that's all part of like the package. Who gave Patriots fans, including myself, like the greatest joy of like a sports fan that you would ever you could have. have. So it just seems, it just seems weird on the day that you're celebrating him personally just, to, to worry too much about that. Like all yeah, that sort we of past. I mean,
1: I totally get that. And I think a lot of people, you know, on Reddit and Twitter are going to be like, oh, Eric is a sad Pats fan just crying about it. It's like this guy gave us 20 of the best years that we will ever have. And everybody in the league is lucky to see that. And he was been been on my favorite team besides Jets fans (laughs) and other fans that have lost. But (laughs) but listen, we are lucky to have witnessed this type of of greatness. So am I thankful? Is Boston so thankful and appreciative? Yes, there is no argument about that whatsoever. People were rooting for him as a buck because they love Tom Brady so much. But yes, was this a snub and was this intentional? I, my course. point is
4: he was gone two years ago and we're going to have the rest of our lives for him right. to say nice things so, and have a he, Hall of Fame he, he speech. He sniffed the Patriots. I,
2: that's, <laughs> there's no way around it. There's no other way. But that also, I don't want to say that that's where we should be like, dwelling on this conversation. No. I just thought it was we interesting. We did. We
4: spent about a, 10 minutes on it. 10 minutes. Well,
2: I think you played <laughs> a role in that, Greg. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that the bigger picture still, obviously, I mean, let's. I just want to read another thing. He's one of those guys where... The numbers just blow you away. He finished with a two hundred and forty-three and seventy-three regular season record, thirty-five and twelve in the playoffs. Won three MVP awards, selected to the Pro Bowl fifteen times. Of course, the one ninety-nine pick in two thousand. I'll say one more thing, I, and you're right, Greg. They 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 hold the voting uh, at the end of the regular season, but we can get a little we can get a little tricky on this one, especially considering who's going to end up winning the award. We can. We can make some moves here. I wouldn't be against it. I, I uh, just want to be hear what Mark
4: it? is so mad about. He's been very angry to not get in what? the last five no, minutes no, or so.
3: No, no, no. <laughs> I'm listening. Keep going. I, like, I, I'm hearing what Dan says. I would like to see if Aaron Rodgers wins this MVP – I will be extremely annoyed. He is not the MVP on any no, level. Not all. I would I am with Dan, it, I don't know how you is. do this. Get ready. You rejigger the vote. I know he is, because the AP I, Reopen I, I the want, books. I give it to Tom Brady. Open the <laughs> blow up the books, write a new book, and let's just get this right, and everyone can go, go to the bar and giggle about what they just did, and we won't know how it happened.
2: Um I my last thought on this, and then you guys, please, uh, also if you have something else to share, because we do have to move on. There's a lot of other NFL news as well. Uh, as we look ahead to the personnel carousel and, of course, Super Bowl 56. But um, I think I think he's in this category. I think he's in the Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady category. I think he is in that like all-time holy sector of American athletes just because of all he accomplished and how he did it differently than anyone else. And I think unique is the word to me that best describes his career because there was no decline. There was... It, when it looked like there might have been one, he said, no, I'm going to change and flip the script. And there was part of a savviness to, to Brady as well. Maybe he would have stayed in a bit of a sustained decline if he was with the Patriots when they were kind of retooling and in a tough spot, but knowing when to maybe say, let me jump here to Tampa Bay and revitalize things. I think that was a brilliant bit of uh, personal maneuvering as well. So. He annoyed me. He killed me. He destroyed me for years and years and years. But I really do think, um, like, Mark, you and I have worked at the company since 2010. Uh, Greg, you've been with us since 2013. You covered and went to Super Bowls. 2012. uh, 2012. 2012. 10
4: years next month.
2: Wow. And, like, we got to see this and cover Brady in this back half of his career and go to numerous Super Bowls, including 28-3, including the uh, Malcolm Butler game, including even, like I was saying earlier, the Eagles game where – uh you know to be on the losing side but it, that made that game even more interesting you know the the giants uh super bowls it was just I'm, I'm lucky to be able to have covered him i have to say that
3: i'm with you like um i was just trying to think about the fact that most of my tom brady memories are not about like these compiled stats and like his 40s versus other people's 20s that's all relevant obviously but Like, I remember being in the locker room after he lost to the Giants the second time and seeing, like, literal anguish on his face as he took long minutes trying to peel his socks off his injured body. And, like, he was, you know, I know you hate this, but Jim Gray was sitting next to him and, like, Brady (laughs) just looked very upset. I mean, I think about the time, like, years later when he beat the Rams. And, you know, maybe he thought, this is the last time we do this with the Patriots uh, in the Super Bowl. And he was going up to individual teammates in the locker room And not just give him a high five, like it was like two or three minute long conversations looking into their eyes. He is a genuine person. And if you defied him, because there was one time that I remember trying to defy the greatness of Tom Brady, he, you will pay the price. It was 28 to three against the Falcons. And I had to write this little NFL.com, you know, you must write some feature coming out of the game. So I had write, I wrote one at halftime. I got about 1700 words into how the Patriots defense let the team down. And even by the end of the third quarter, I was telling, you know, editor David Ely, I think um, this still works if they hold on. And we were both starting to question the concept of it. (laughs) And as the minutes kept going, I started to realize I had been banged in the biggest of spots. I don't even have a column at this point. I went against Tom Brady and you pay when you do that. He is on that mountaintop with Babe Ruth and Michael Jordan. He's on the top of it.
2: That's Mm -hmm. it. That's how I remember Tom Brady is the uh, Mark. Uh, Post game filing after uh, fifty one.
3: I'm just saying it's personal moments, like good and bad, like things you learn about how fierce he was. You know, I
4: had about five hundred words on Dion Jones and the and the Falcons' <laughs> speedy linebackers. I I think in that game speaks in in that game, no one expected them to come back, but that game speaks to something. Czech wrote, which I totally agreed with, was like the the greatest thing in sports is when you expect something improbable on paper to happen from like a great, truly great player. And it does. And, and he brought up that, that Seahawks moment as, as the best, as what he thought was the best moment of his career. And, and I thought so too, but there's just so many, <laughs> there's so many others and football's funny. Cause it, it is such a team sport. You can't divorce Belichick and Brady totally. And you can't divorce Brady from everything that happened in new England. But on some level, it does come down to the cliche of like, are you going to make that drive at the end of the game? Like, are you going to do it or, or not? And he will always be the greatest at that. I, one of the best, and sometimes it did come in loss. One of, if not the best drive of his life was 2007 against the Giants. They got the ball back down three, hadn't done anything all day with about eight minutes to go. Hadn't. And and he goes down the field, 10, 15 plays, six minutes, to go up four on, on Eli Manning because that was the game where they felt every bit of pressure, that they were manhandled up front. Even after that drive, they didn't top 300 yards of offense. Yet when he was put with his back against the wall at t- more than any other moment I thought of his entri- entire career, that drive started inside the 10. He went down the field and he got that touchdown to Randy Moss to go take the lead and, and try to be the hero. And it didn't work out for him that day cuz the defense didn't finish it off and that's how football goes like that's he lost his best super bowl <coughs> performance as you mentioned against the eagles i thought that was his yards. best but he just like gets but he just kept going back and he kept going in that position and even in a game like that rams game again after that interception when they absolutely needed a drive to get it done they changed what they did offensively all game they changed the formation he, he knows what the rams are going to do in terms of adapting and even on a day that was was bad compared to that afc championship where he lit up patrick Mahomes, that's the moment where you have to go make that drive if you're tom brady everyone expected him to do it he throws it to gronk and he does it and he adds another super bowl it's just like that guy delivered
2: by the way, Eli's no dummy when he comes out today and records a video message saying, Tom, you're the best ever. He's doing it for Eli because he oh, beat sure. Tom in the Super yeah. Bowl twice. He, <laughs> if Peyton doesn't need to be the best. He said that. Tom's the best because oh, I he br- the He best.
4: brings it up. He has the yeah, same said, joke every time. He's like, thanks for letting too. me have a couple. Yeah. yeah. And why not? As it he said.
1: I know the should. Bucks would have to cut him and then there's money issues and all this kind of stuff. And I, obviously there's so much behind the scenes with their relationship and everything. But like just part of me not all of me is like i wish he would like officially like sign a one-day contract with the pats and i know how improbable that is and retire remember Patreon. what we talked about
2: like 10 minutes ago
1: i know i, just, I don't like, think that's happening i i don't think it is at all but if it, it, would... if it is
3: if it is that also seems like a move by years. lesser lesser stars or lesser like they come back yeah. like you know hey they were a five-year career in atlanta they went like to Kansas City for two years fell off the map, and then they go back and have that ceremony at like six in the morning on a Wednesday with the Falcons. It's like, all can, right, let's move on. Can They're I gonna have you?
4: their moments. They're gonna have their moments together, Ricky. I'm, I have no doubts about that. Him and Kraft there's and no Belichick grudge. In, have some doubts in the, into yeah. the future. Have no. some doubts.
2: We'll see what let's see what happens. But I want to ask you guys this: Do you think there's any way he comes back?
1: Yes, it's Brady. You never
3: know. Absolutely. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why because if I have one concern, and I've stated this before the way that Tom Brady is built, I think his intentions are genuine and pure for wanting to go um, be with the family, be with the kids. But I am concerned about like a dull milieu um, on, you know, at post football and sort of just staring out windows. Like it's going to be awesome (laughs) for about four weeks. Then it's like, Wait a minute, what there's no what do I win now? What do I do? It's like you're still the best quarterback I in agree. the league.
4: There's nothing left to prove. I don't I don't think so. It's why we won the quickest sandwiches we've ever won in this show off He you, did. Dan. I got, what, I once those. it once it even brought into his mind that he was thinking about it, he just seems like the type to walk away. And I am happy as just like a Brady fan that uh that he didn't go out on 2019 that ultimately he was right. I mean, for all the people in New England that were mad at Belichick and I wasn't one of them. I was on the wrong side here. I thought that was the time to, to make the divorce. Cause I didn't want to see the decline. Like he was right. He, he, Tom Brady was right. And he proved it right. And that is like an ultimate exclamation point uh, to end his career. With. R-
3: Ricky and Dan, what happens to Greg when at some point in his adulthood um, going forward, he uh, flies back into the state of Massachusetts and attempts to get off the plane into an airport. He is going to be destroyed by, this, well, I was saying period. the Patriots
4: fans were right there. They I were just right
3: think about of Greg no, no, no. giving
1: like advice to to maybe Ellis, where she's like she gets her heart broken for the first time, or maybe you know we all get our hearts broken, and he's like, "Well, don't be sad. It's over. Like, be happy. It happened." And she's like sobbing on the bedroom floor. It's like, "Dad, you suck. You suck. You're not helping anything."
4: You sound like like a 13-year-old girl right now. That, that so happens. do you every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody calm down. I know it's
2: an emotional day for Patriots fans across the world. Tom Brady uh, has retired after 22 years. All right, let's take a break. There is other things going on in the NFL, including some wild news unfolding as we record here. Uh, so let's uh,
0: take a break, and we'll hit the rest of the news. You go into your shower feeling tired. Welcome back. Time for news and notes presented by Upwork, where you can build the team that will build your business.
2: Learn more at Upwork.com. An explosive bit of news came down while we were having our Tom Brady discussion. Perhaps Tom Brady, Tom Brady is connected to this story as well. Former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL and teams within the NFL that he says have engaged in Systemic racism uh, practices against black coaches. Flores named the league, the Dolphins, the Giants, as well as the Broncos, and John Doe teams 1 to 29 as defendants in the lawsuit. It's a clash ac- class action complaint, which means other coaches, uh, uh, um, we're assuming, obviously, other black coaches or coaches of color could join him in the suit if they wish. Uh, there are some crazy uh, boys. Um, revelations here and allegations Uh, the suit says that the Dolphins his former employer of course the Dolphins fired Flores after uh, his third season with the team uh, despite having a winning record Flores says that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered to pay him an extra 100,000 per loss during the 2019 season that was the season when they started off poorly and everyone assumed it was a tank job Ross wanted the Dolphins to lose enough games to secure the first overall pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, the Dolphins improved that season as it went along, apparently not uh, or allegedly not to Stephen Ross's liking. Flores also alleged that Ross tried to get him to recruit a, quote, prominent quarterback who was under contract to another team. Uh, so this would have happened uh Two off seasons ago, that would have been a violation of the league tampering rules if that player was under contract, which he most certainly was at the time. Flores says he refused to be a part of that situation. The lawsuit also says the Gi- the Giants scheduled an interview with Flores last week to comply with the Rooney rule, even though they already knew they were going to hire Brian Dable as head coach. Uh, he finds out about it, Flores because Bill Belichick mistakenly texts him uh, under the impression that Brian Dable is the hire for the Giants, he had been misinformed. It was obviously, um, excuse me, Brian Flores was the hire. He had been misinformed. It was Brian Dable getting hired. So, and finally, just to put a bow on the Broncos side of it, Flores contends that three years ago, he was involved in the same type of sham process with Denver when they hired. Vic Vic Fangio. And here's a statement from Flores. In making the decision to file the class action complaint today, I understand that I might be risking coaching the game that I love and that has done so much for my family and me. My sincere hope is that by standing up against systemic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come. Greg, this is on the day that Tom Brady officially announces his retirement. This is a massive bombshell and
4: it's going to reverberate across the league. It is remarkable. I'm still trying to digest it and and where to start. If you've ever heard Brian Flores talk um, about racism, about what it's like to be a black man, a black coach in this country, this fits right in with it. Like he is he is one of um, the most passionate and like intelligent speakers on that topic. And, and he is not a man that you would want to mess with, I think in this arena. And I think Stephen Ross is finding that out. That that's where we'll, I'll start with it just because that allegation that his owner offered to pay him extra money for every loss that they had goes against the competitive um, rules and everything that the league is supposed to stand for. <laughs> yes. And yes. so that, that's that. that it's, it's separate from the racist hiring practice, and we can get to the Belichick Bills thing, which is probably those are probably the two the two biggest things in this uh, story. But that is, that is an explosive allegation and cuts to the core, and is in is the NFL's worst nightmare. Really, this story is on two fronts, and and that's one of those two fronts.
3: Right. If the Rooney Rule started, and it did with good intentions to make a change, I mean, there is has been, fairly been suspicion around how it's been used year after year and like you you there hasn't been you know tangible searing anecdotes like this about the fact that certain candidates are brought in but you get a sense that team A already knows who they want now we have these anecdotes and um if Brian Flores I think you could argue that Flores is putting himself in is in a position where it could impact his own career but to Greg's point he believes in these topics. He's not alone. Um, the league needs to change. The numbers show that. They vet that out. And it is it goes down to the fact that, you know, even beyond Stephen Ross, it, it is an ownership issue. It is it is clearly an ownership issue in who they hire, how the practicing of hiring goes down. It's been a black mark on the eye of the NFL for years and years. It continues to be. And this is, I, I mean, this is sort of everyone that's been looking at this for years and years saying, we know this is happening this report, these anecdotes are as, are are basically bricks being dropped. He's on got the reality bricks
4: He's got screenshots right? that are public now of the Belichick interaction and and how that played out was Belichick congratulate him, thinking he had the job, and it, it turns out he, that Belichick and and they have Belichick's all of his responses, which, which is fascinating that he misunderstood the text that he was getting. that Brian get to see Dabel.
2: Belichick texts coming out of you, this? They're, so, they're
4: there, Dan. What if, a story. They're, they're there now. And he said, sorry, I, I F'd this up. I double-checked. I misread the text. I think they are naming Dable. I'm sorry about that, BB. But uh, it, it, but and and just, that was before Flores... Back, like- Right, days had, before interview. Flores interviewed.
3: I mean, right, that, and it, it all checks out because
4: Joe Shane, Joe Shane is the GM who the Giants hired, who worked with Dable. Basically, they knew when they hired Joe Shane that they were going to hire Dable as their head coach, and they had to go through with what Flores is rightly pointing out was was a sham Rooney Rule interview. This, this is incredibly um, admirable, I think, of Brian
2: Flores because, yes, this has been an issue, a glaring issue for the league for years that the it's a predominantly black league players wise, but the head coaching ranks are predominantly white and we're not seeing progress in that realm, even though they've put, they enacted the Rooney rule, which if you're not aware what the Rooney rule is, it means if you are making any head coach hire, and I think they expanded this now to front office as well, you have to bring in a person of color uh for, to interview as well, to give, to try to level the playing field. Uh, but it is proven to be something that doesn't seem to really, um, lead to a, a true increase in the number of coaches because it bears out when you look at it every year. And and the reason bringing this to light and in this manner and dropping a bombshell on the league, that's the type of stuff that can actually lead to tangible change. So I really admire that in him. I also admire him because he's coming off a three-year run in Miami that was largely successful. And if he didn't get another head coaching job this year, Um, he probably would have gotten one next year. And I don't know where this goes, uh, for Dable, uh, for Flores, but it could go down a road where he doesn't get another head coaching job because that's just what we've seen from the league. Look at Colin Kaepernick as a prominent example. So he's putting himself out there. And I think it says a lot about his character.
3: Also, one other thing, I mean, if you, you want to know who loved Brian Flores, His players. I mean, there were one after the one after the next glowing report from the players who loved who Brian Flores was. And every time he got one of these head coaching interviews during this cycle, of course, what else is in our mind? The fact that the Dolphins put out concepts and ideas that Brian Flores was tough to work with, that he um, didn't go along with the plan, he wasn't collaborative. That that's rough stuff to put out there about a coaching candidate. But behind the scenes, all this was happening. Come on. Well, allegedly. We, all right. We're, we're going to find
2: out. But sure, yes, but- if this, that would give, if this is turns out to be true and we'll see, maybe it gets proven. Who knows? That would give us a lot of context to, yes, those reports that came out when he was let go of how he was difficult to work with it, the, the meeting with the unnamed, uh, uh, prominent free agent or quarterback, uh, which, you know, connect dots. It could be Tom Brady. If you, if you line up when Tom Brady, uh, became a free agent and eventually signed. With the Bucks, there was a meeting on a yacht and in the lawsuit, he walks off the yacht when he's, uh, the yacht of the owner, Stephen Ross, when he, he sees what's trying to be set up, a meeting between a prominent quarterback, the owner and the head coach to do something that shouldn't be done because you can't tamper with the player currently under contract with another team. This, this is, this is a crazy story. This is, I like now looking at now that we've been doing this, we're going into our 10th season. I like the biggest stories of the ATN or the biggest game of the ATR, all that stuff. This one could end up being right up there. It it has that many layers and could have the repercussions that could really shake the league. One
4: thing. Yeah. Think of who it involves. It involves the giants, you know, one of the leagues, Tiffany brands, right. And it involves this dolphins team and and a powerful owner in Steven Ross. and, and separate from the hiring, really goes out of you know part of the the intent I think is to show people who the who the Dolphins are because those that these those allegations with the Dolphins don't have to do with hiring they have to do with how they're running their business. It, it, the it said that they were pushing Flores that ownership was pushing Flores to recruit this prominent quarterback late in the twenty nineteen season. You're right, Dan. I think you can you know, connect the dots of who who that likely is in that, yeah, this yacht meeting that the owner set up where the quarterback just happened to be in the area, took took Flores by surprise. Um, he is currently Flores a finalist for the Houston Texans coaching job. He he was um a fine you know, an interview with the Bears too, in addition to the Giants. So that Texan search is actually ongoing and he was one of three people brought back for a second interview. So that's just one more. I don't think he's going to get that job. I don't know. That's just my, my feeling, but we shall see if, if they hired Josh McCown, I, which feels like a, a strong possibility. I think that goes to what he's talking about on a bigger level in which, in which is more the point. If you read what this suit starts with in, in all the stats of uh, the, the lack of black coaches in the league that, that, that speaks to his point if Josh McCown gets a head coaching job over him.
2: Whoa! This is a big one. This is a big one. People are very uncomfortable right now in various uh,
4: buildings across the league. I know. I was wondering what is, I wonder what Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick is thinking. He's just finding I out. want to see more Bill Belichick texts. I want to see like, I mean, you all can, sorts yeah, of Yeah, they're there. They're pretty basic. They're, they're, they're pretty basic. They seem...
1: He signs it with BB. He just says said- he, he signs the text
4: TV, which is a
2: classic. Oh, he classic signs his text movie. that's such a boomer move. Does he is ha- he have an iPhone, Ricky? Yeah, he does. He does. Good, good, good. We don't we don't want another Colleen situation, Ricky.
1: <laughs> right, cuz she has an Android, so. <laughs> right.
2: All right. And you know, we do this podcast multiple times a week through the off season, so uh buckle up, Marky boy. We got a we got a subplot to track now. You thought it was going to get quiet. It ain't quiet.
3: No, I, do. no, I don't think it's. In fact, I only expect every NFL offseason to get incrementally more madhouse <laughs> from the one previous.
2: I think you're right. That was news and notes presented by Upwork, the the world's work
4: marketplace. Learn more at Upwork.com. All right. CS. Now we get to the part of the show that would have started the show if Tom Brady hadn't retired <laughs> and Brian Flores uh, news didn't happen. Exactly. All right, Brian Dable is the coach of the New York Giants. We were going to play some sound from that,
2: but that doesn't. That feels a little weird now. Like, well, I will say this. I mean, Dable Dable deserves um, this opportunity based on what he's done uh, in Buffalo, and this is a big moment for him. And I think it's a good hire for the Giants. I don't know if we want to get into analysis of the Dable hire right now. Uh, I guess it's now or never. It it does make sense, and I thought it was interesting in the reporting that, and I think there's some. Fortuity involved, fortuity involved for Daniel Jones, given the draft class and the free agent market, that it, it looks like he's going to get another shot here with a real offensive co- coordinator who just built out Josh Allen's career, helped build it out. Uh, so you have, a, a, a new GM in Joe Shane that's aligned with the head coach from the same organization. And now they get the chance to do the Josh Allen treatment to Daniel Jones. If I'm a Giants fan, I'm feeling optimistic. Although concerned I, about the latest story that came out surrounding Brian Forrest.
3: I mean, I like I don't know if I am feeling optimistic. I the one thing that I find is rarely, well it's it's a bit of a it can be a trap is hot coordinator X goes to new team minus like MVP level quarterback Y and is going to fix hot and cold quarterback Z. I just it doesn't often work and I want to see if they even give Daniel Jones the fifth year option. I do feel like because the Giants had done this in the past with their coaches, you know, you know, Eli Manning would be an example, kind of forcing Brian Dable to, you know, work with Daniel Jones. Not that he wouldn't this season, but like I see it as a one year experiment and get out of there if if he continues to be who he is.
4: Right, yeah, they 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 could easily not give him the extension, and that and he could still have a chance to have a long term future there. Like I, I think that's a totally reasonable way to go at the fifth year option. That is, I believe, Dable, He was he was, spoke very highly of Daniel Jones. I guess what's he going to say? But I think that's part of the reason why they hired him. I, I don't mind Daniel Jones. I I would like to see him in a in a better situation. I think he showed some progress last year. I just think if you're looking at the market as a whole, unless you're ready to. Go swinging for these Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers types, or who knows with Watson. Like, I think Daniel Jones is a completely reasonable option over everyone else that's available. That actually, I I wouldn't mind seeing that. It's really the offensive line and the scheme I think that needs to be fixed more than anything. And you're counting on Dable to do that. Look, he had Josh Allen for for two years before it really started getting going. So it, it's tricky, but Daniel Jones has been the, in the league for three years. I, I think he's a worthy guy to try out like it compared to a, a Jameis or a Teddy or a Garoppolo. Why, why not try it out with, with Daniel Jones. And and I think
2: I... Dable got a lot of credit and rightfully so yes, Josh Allen is, is ultimately the engine that made that offense special in his development, but Dable uh, in not just uh, being there from the ground floor with Allen, but he will, Even after some ups and downs in the first two years, they went into that third year in 2020 and kind of changed the offense and said, we're putting it more on this kid and putting our faith in him. And they were a much more aggressive attack. And I think Dable saw something in Allen and helped develop him. So there's no slam dunks. I know exactly what you're saying, Mark, but I feel like he is kind of a a safe pick. And I just think it's a functional setup because he has a relationship with the GM as well it feels like the Giants may be getting on the right track at least from coach and uh upstairs personnel um that's that part
3: that part and you know we've hammered that home with all of these hires that matters the most um they were never in sync. in fact I, I think it's instructive that um Dayball actually got on the phone with Joe Judge to ask about like his former employer, who's about to hire him, and still took the job. So I mean, not that he wouldn't have, hmm. but it's like there was, you know, well, you know they worked together
4: keep... a long time. I mean, they did. People don't think about Dable as a Belichick guy, but he's absolutely a Belichick guy. He had two different stints, worked for more than ten years with the Patriots organization, then kind of saw his star rise when he went to go work with Nick Saban and, and come back. So it's like we'll get to McDaniel's in a second. People, all the failures on the Belichick coaching tree, it hasn't stopped owners uh, from continuing. To give it to give it a shot. One quick thing on this is that the Giants tried to hire Ken Dorsey away from the Bills. That was Josh Allen's quarterback coach. They wanted him to be the offensive coordinator. The Bills stepped up, uh, according to reports, financially, and they kept Ken Dorsey. Josh Allen had publicly stumped to keep Dorsey, and it sounded like that that made a difference, and they ended up like matching what would have been a pretty big raise, I guess, from uh the Giants and in, in east staying in Buffalo.
2: It's funny how having a uh playoff and two-year run like Josh Allen gives you a louder voice in the room. Maybe that's what Aaron Rodgers has been talking about all this time. Yes, we mentioned Josh McDaniels, the longtime offensive coordinator, An architect of the New England Patriots offense, a man who knows Tom Brady very. See how this is all connected in a in a a big picture way. Let's galaxy brain this thing and see how it's all of one. It's like that. uh, It's like the PTA movie, uh, Mark uh, Magnolia. It's like everything is connected. The frogs are about to fall from the sky. Josh McDaniel. I I hated
3: that ending of that movie. That couldn't be any possibly cheesier. And I love that
2: Amy Mann song too. But we're all singing it together. If you
4: cut out the first 15 minutes and film. the last 10, that's a classic. Yeah, that's right up there with the a boogie thing. in a big yeah. spot. All right.
2: Anyway, the Raiders. <laughs> see, we give you everything. Football analysis and a little film critique. Just a little dash. Just to show well, you that I'll tell you, there. I watched
3: Licorice Pizza, Dan, on your recommendation. Oh, you finally did. Did you enjoy One of enjoy the it? best films I've seen in a long time. I thought but you would like it. Yeah. you I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's stay on this PTA
2: kick we're on. Greg, one of your favorite films, Phantom Thread. I finally sat down and watched watched that uh, about a month ago and a quite enjoyable, beautifully made picture. But also I found it interesting trying to figure out why Greg Rosenthal connected with it on the level he hmm. did. So we're going to save
4: that for the offseason. Extremely rewatchable, um, brilliant Punch Drunk Love, another great one, but not to the level of Phantom Threat. But the Las Vegas banger after banger,
2: yes, have hired Josh McDaniels as their new head coach. The former Pats uh, offensive coordinator uh, is getting another shot in a head coaching chair. The Raiders also hired Patriots director of player personnel, Dave Ziegler, as their general manager. So very similar deal with uh, with Buffalo, big names in Buffalo going to the Giants, big names with the Pats head to the Raiders. McDaniels, of course, flopped. Uh, in his two-year stint as head coach of the Broncos in 2009-2010. He famously walked out on a handshake agreement to become the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts a few years back. And I remember there was much hand-wringing about how he had just lit his future on fire would never be a coach again. Well, guess what? He is. Here's what McDaniels had to say. Th- things are different now than when I was head coach the last time. You know, when I went to Denver, um, you know, I, I, I knew a little bit of football, um, I didn't. I didn't really know people, uh, and how important that aspect um, of of this process and maintaining the culture and building the team uh, was. And um, and I and I failed. And I didn't. You know, I didn't succeed at it. And so, um, looking at that experience has been one of the best uh, things uh, in my life in terms of my overall growth as a as a person as a coach. All right. So here's if he's if he needs to be better as a, you know, person to person type communicator, he's gonna have potential challenge right out of the gate because there's some bubbling behind the scenes that the Raiders and many of the players were they were big on Bisaccia and what he had brought to that team after Gruden resigned in disgrace uh in October, Mark. So uh will they get on board the Josh McDaniels? Probably, but that's kind of a tricky way to start your tender. All the guys like the old
0: coach.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the very unusual scenario where the new hire has to somehow outshine the interim coach and what he did down the stretch, which is win over the entire team because of who Rich Bisaccio was. And I think if there's been questions about Josh McDaniels, okay, look, when he hasn't been with the Patriots, that Broncos team was a disaster in multiple ways. He went to the, the, the Rams in St. Louis for one year and had the 32nd ranked offense in terms of points outside of New England. Three of his four worst seasons as an OC have been with three other te- two other teams. So I, I think that needs to be proven. But he, lets, I, he he graces over the fact that part of the Denver Broncos meltdown was a videotaping scandal where they taped the 49ers during before a game in London <laughs> with San Francisco. So when I hear where this... Where do you learn like, that I guess, trick? Well, I just, where, exactly this. I don't understand that people think I'm mature. People do change. I do think he's probably learned a lot about coaching since then. But I, I would I would tag it with this. When I think of the Raiders, when they were in Oakland, when I think of the Los Angeles Raiders and even the Raiders in Vegas, what is more countercultural to everything we know about the Raiders and over these past decades than the Patriot way? It feels like an odd fit. I know Mark Davis hmm. wants these names, wants these guys, but you're going in with a scenario where, again, you're saying, we'll make, we'll make it work with Derek Carr. You've got to figure out if you're going to extend Derek Carr if he wants that. But I think the players get in line. I think the fit is an odd one.
4: Yeah, seeing McDaniel's there with the, with the black and white suit and he did the look silver and black helmet looked it looks weird, <laughs> and I, I get why they would want to hire him. I think he's a great offensive coach. I think he's really good at adapting his game plan week to week. Obviously, it helps with having Tom Brady, you know, for most of your career. But I, I think the work he did with Mac Jones. Helped him get this job. He wanted that Chargers job last year and Telesco had worked with the Colts before and they didn't want to talk to him because of, because of that experience. So that hurt him there. Um, but it didn't hurt him here. I think it's a, I think it's a good hire and I do believe him that he really likes the idea of Derek Carr. Cause Carr seems like a, a good fit for what they want to do. I think it takes a, a quarterback who who wants to win before the snap um, to win that way, if you're going to change your offense each and every week, they'll be more pr- unpredictable. And I think Derek Carr could could be that guy. But you said it, Mark. He he's entering the last year of his contract. He's he's underpaid um relative to league average for quarterbacks. You know, he'll he'll be one of, if not the cheapest, veteran quarterbacks in the entire NFL if they didn't upgrade his contract or give him an extension. And so that's that's the first thing that that he's going to have to handle and I think it's good that he's going with like another Patriots guy there Ziegler cuz I think one of his big his biggest problem in Denver was not just dealing with the players, but dealing with his bosses, with his GM at the time and his ownership, and that's what got him blown out there. I mean, there were you did have a couple of moments. Do you remember there was I think it was a Monday Night Football game, but I might be wrong. With McDaniel's getting to five and zero and doing these fist pumps, jumping down the sidelines against, the Patriots, every, right? against everyone, the Patriots, right? And everyone, everyone was like, "Wow, this is the new boy wonder." And it all collapsed like almost immediately after. that. I game.
3: think that was a Sunday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. It but he was, was running yeah. up and down the field, and one of <laughs> the bigger like, yeah, like yeah. it almost felt like. Like, um, it, it almost felt like a parody of an NFL coach celebrating because <laughs> it, it was so
4: surreal. It was. It was a bad spot where the I think there, was a, I the think there celebration. was a Dean
2: scream in there somewhere, as I recall. <laughs> um, all right. Well, And by the way, make a decision on Carr and right. just do it. Either give, him, give him, a new him the contract, money. contract. I would say give him right? the money, yes. Give him a new contract or trade him because guess what? You would get a, a nice bundle back this particular offseason for Derek Carr, I do believe. Um, mm, and he's a, a tradable point. asset. Don't don't play this out and then maybe tag him or go into some protracted uh, contract negotiation. Like, this seems like a time to make a decision on Derek Carr one way or the other. One uh, quick
4: thing on just the I had such side gra- of it. I had a
2: great, had a great transition what? set up. It was well, going to
4: be so good. You can was, still get it. I was going to say, say,
2: speaking of make a decision, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But now it's oh. all
4: lost, Greg. This better be but so this- good. It is good. It's, it's the brain drain in, in New England. I know people have left over the years, but think of who have been the most important people to Belichick okay. in the last 20 years. It's Nick Casario. It's Josh McDaniels. It's Dante Skornecchia. Scott Zolek. And, and it's Ernie Adams. All, those are the four guys that were there with him basically throughout all the winning. Th- those four guys. And they're all gone. And I and I do think there's something to that. Has he developed, like, this next wave of coaches and front office guys to be, like, the the guys? Well, like, we'll see. Like, maybe he brings back Jud- Joe Judge or Flores. Like, those are <coughs> a couple of other guys. But th- those guys, Don- Scarnecchia, McDaniels, Casario, Ernie Adams, like, those were his, like, four horsemen, and they were all gone right now. That's Did fair, that dog. pass, Muster? Okay.
2: I think it does. That passes. Okay. I think that was good insight on one of the um... – more well-known franchises in football. <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, one of the least known franchises in football. See, not as good. So we we got to think we of lost what, its juice because what did we also, gain? You know, no. We, what did we lose? I mean, we both... gained
3: some great nuggets. Well, I'm the, I'm listening to you guys just go on. It's like we gained great nuggets from Greg, but Dan, I think you had you're a showman, and the yeah. show the, your show was you had to kind of do a second run, maybe with not. We need the, to start. You know.
4: know Doing the Zoom thing, since we're still taping remotely, where it's like I press a uh, my hand raised. So, you know, I need to, like, get in one more thing, you know.
1: You guys, we've not to ruin the flow of the show.
4: Oh, another one. Like that. Uh, now, and now we got her coming in.
1: Yeah, but right, though, we got minute 89 you, here. You guys just have talked so much that I need to insert a break right here.
2: That old man retired and then the uh, an atomic bomb was dropped on uh, our league. It's not our fault.
0: And then Greg had that take about New England, so (laughs) let's take a break. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we're back. Speaking of something, 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 blah, 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 sports. The Jacksonville
2: Jaguars, their winding search for a head coach continues. They will conduct a uh, second interview with former Eagles head coach Doug Peterson. Uh, Peterson was in the building like a month ago. And had, uh, according to Bert Breer of MMQB, trepidation over the setup in Jacksonville, uh, implying there might be you know, heat around somehow Trent Balky still being the GM there. We heard a similar thing about Byron Lefwich, who at one point looked like he was going to get the job, but he supposedly didn't want to be involved with Trent Balky as GM. Uh, There's also Rich Basaccia is in the mix. He looked like he was going to become the special teams coach of the Bears. But then the Jags were like, hey, bro, you want to come in? You want to maybe be the head coach? We're up to, I think, 10, 10 double digit head coach interviews now with Peterson now being the guy that makes some logical sense. But, Mark, for a job that is on some level as alluring as being the head coach, of, I know now it feels like there's a little bloom off the rose, but there shouldn't be Trevor Lawrence, a transcendent prospect. Uh, nobody seems to really be running toward Jacksonville to get a big chair. That's how it feels.
3: Right. And they they have interviewed um, Rick Spielman, the former Vikings GM for a, what they call a high level front office position. I, I wonder if that turns into maybe just the general manager position if if this Trent Balky, I, I don't know him personally, obviously, but I can't really recall a more universally dislike um individual t- in terms of reports, well, but beyond that. The Houston that,
2: front office, maybe there's a, a okay, competitor, well, that's, but, there. that's, but they're kind of in the same tree, it almost I mean, feels this, like no you know,
3: Trent Balky also went away for a long time, and then he's come back, and he's still very unpopular, so it's enduring, but... Um, it goes against <laughs> what we're talking about, the marrying two people that can work together. And the one thing I think about Shad Khan, you know, early on in the Jaguars run, it was like, this team's innovative, they're into international football, they want to be collaborative, blah, X, Y, and Z. There were so, Even though they weren't winning, it was like, you can sort of see it, and it's maybe revolutionary, but they keep getting this wrong over and over, and it just seems to me, if you're onto your multiple, multiple, multiple head coach and GM, have you not figured out the unification of these two positions. If you look around the league, that's where it works over and over. And instead, they've got a guy in there that people dislike openly, report after report, trying to shove a head coach to work with him. I mean, it seems like a disaster.
4: It's it's been some tough reporting out there. I mean, the reporting was they had three finalists. One of them is now the head coach of the Broncos. Uh, One of them, was it Iverflus? It was now the coach of the Bears. And the third one was reported to be taking the job along with that's left, along with uh, an executive Adrian Wilson from Arizona, that clearly isn't happening. Like, and then they open the finalist round again. It's just, if you're a Jaguars fan and I follow, I feel like more than my fair share of Jaguars reporters and, and fans on yeah, Twitter. Cause I had that call out. I don't know if you remember early in the year of like, Oh, who's a good, um, who's some good Jaguars people to follow. And I got a lot of great suggestions. John Shipley's great, m- many other great ones. And, uh, and it's been, it's a tough scene. It's been a tough couple of weeks for these Jaguars fans. They are going crazy.
2: In other coaching news, I hesitate here. Um, if you could hear it, uh, to dig into this cause it feels like it could happen anytime. And, um, maybe we'll have a more thorough conversation about it, but the name is big enough where we should at least get it on the radar for this show that uh, Jim Harbaugh is a finalist for the Vikings head coaching vacancy. That's, that's from NFL networks, Mike Garofalo. Uh Garofolo reports that Harbaugh is quote, deep in the process of uh, vying for the team's head coaching spot. As he prepares for a interview that will take place on Wednesday, he is currently the head coach uh, for the University of Michigan, where he's had some success, just like he had a uh, success with the 49ers. Before that, uh, there is a new general manager, obviously, Rick Spielman out in Minnesota. Uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is now um, the GM, and they were both in the 49ers organization together. So connect those dots, as always. So Harbaugh to the Vikings. If I'm a Vikings fan, I'm, I'm into the idea of it. We'll see if they could get
4: their man. It's interesting that he's going to Minnesota and meeting with him. I mean, that to me indicates just feels like one of those business deals that they're not going to be meeting unless there's a good chance of closing the deal that they've already done a lot of. Right. Minneapolis in February is pretty tough. We're we're (laughs) aware of that. Well, plus he's the coach of the Michigan Wolverines, like one of the the best college football teams. So to get this far down the road during recruiting season – E, you know, e, our guy Ian Rapport said there were, at one point there were three finalists for the Vikings job. One of them, D'Amico Ryans has taken his name out, uh, reportedly the other two coach for the Rams, Raheem Morris and Kevin O'Connell. Uh, neither one of which can be officially hired because they're still playing and can no longer like interview. They go. It just, just feels like if they can close the deal, this, this could be hard, boss. So get ready.
3: I, I mean, I, we got a lot of enjoyment out of the Mike Zimmer, Kirk cousins, um, relationship slash non-relationship. I, I, <laughs> I do wonder what a Jim Harbaugh, Kirk Cousins, uh, cause Jim Harbaugh, like, I mean, you know, he burnt out in San Francisco at the end there. And I think that he's a guy that like his message is going to run hot for a series of time. And then it, he's not going to be there after some time. You can't and, and, tell
2: me that doesn't sound fun though. This feels no, like does, something it, that's going to make the it, NFL more fun to cover. Oh yeah, I'm but but all Jim for Harbaugh's it. Jim Harbaugh is one of the yeah.
3: we, one of the weirder personalities. Um, he's very bizarre with the, with the press. I mean, I enjoy it, but Kirk Cousins is like a, a glass of of milk. And so it's like the, I, the two of them don't totally feel um. at the hip to me.
2: Remember when the Harbaugh Bowl happened? Uh, it was 49ers Ravens. Yes, I do. Uh, Super Bowl 47, I believe it was. And and Jim John was like handling all the media. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of media crushed because they were brothers against each other the Super Bowl, something that has never happened before. Uh John went along with it and then went on to win the game. Good for him. Jim was a total weirdo the entire week. We we had a front row seat because we were covering press conferences. Jim was never even like there were you know they had the hardball dad up there and Jim was trying to get off the stage. Uh, he is he's wired differently, but I think like there had been connections to Harbaugh, to, to New York teams in recent years. It's like, I don't know about all that. You put him up in Minnesota, that feels like this This could mm. work.
4: Incredible success, too. I mean, with Alex Smith, with Colin Kaepernick, that's one of the boldest and best quarterback decisions and changes that's in the history of the NFL. The fact they didn't go back to Alex Smith and it worked so well offensively. Hey, uh, Kyle and- Shanahan, maybe you should have paid attention. Go on. <laughs> including yeah including in the Super Bowl I-, I think it felt like it was like things were changing in Michigan when the Ravens hired the Michigan defensive coordinator Mike McDonald to be their defensive coordinator this week and someone made the joke like well just like everyone you know Mike McDonald of the two Harbor brothers likes John better but I-, I think there's a little more than that you know I think there's like a little more than that he literally let his top coach go to the Ravens like that sounds like a man ready to say bye yeah.
2: Um, finally in the news. Gotta love it. Joe Theismann. Washington football team legend. He's in the ring of honor. You know, he's a big deal. He's a Super Bowl champion. Longtime media dude. He went on the Damon. Amandolaria. Uh, that's a tough one. I've always struggled with his name. I'm going to call him D.A. Because DA, he calls himself D.A. CBS radio and he he let one he let one slip and i don't mean uh, you know like a gas issue this something else there was a slip the commanders is a is a name that you know is going to be a hopefully one that people will talk about going forward
0: all right so yeah you like the commanders as the new team name huh yeah i mean you know i mean there were there were so many different options but once again you, you know it's trademark infringement it's it's getting approval from different people it's you know, if you
2: choose a name, is there a group out there that isn't going to like it? I mean, and then <laughs> I, I, this just, this just made me laugh. Uh, then Joe, who uh, seemingly unaware that Washington is supposed to be announcing the name of the new the new team team name, I believe, tomorrow, just starts talking about commanders and what a commander is, which is funny. A lot of commanders in Washington, D.C., in the Pentagon and a lot of different branches of the service. And Lotta. so to me, that's sort of the way I'm looking at it sure. as, a, as as the positions of leadership
4: <laughs> sure. uh, when it comes to the, the new name
2: a lot of commanders, you know, down there in the Pentagon. Uh, of course, then the Washington Times reaches out and say, hey, Joe, uh, so I guess you just let the cat out of the bag. He's like, ah, Hamana, Hamana. No, I know what you know. I'll find out tomorrow. It's the commanders. I yeah. mean, we're, I guess, an NFL podcast, so. I, you know, don't come after us. We're not reporting it. No, but no, Joe no. Theismann already told us. Let's, let's no, he talked
4: No, he talked for two minutes, just assuming everyone already knew uh, it was the commanders, which is hilarious. Maybe Joe because,
2: thought it was Wednesday. I be, maybe he got his days mixed up.
4: Because He's it's such up a, there. it's such a, first of all, it's it's a typical Joe Theismann moment. I, I miss Wes. On this show, like uh, I miss Wes every day, but I miss him being able to put Tom Brady in perspective. I'd love to hear what he would say. And I miss him for this story because Joe Theismann opening his mouth and saying too much was kind of a thing Wes would talk about and note for forever. I mean, Joe Theismann had a a bizarre broadcasting career and a bizarre uh, playing career in which saying things... Uh, That ended up getting the organization in trouble was like kind of what he did. So it's almost perfect that this is how the name is is getting out.
3: I mean, it's like NFL branding is top secret stuff. I I mean, you don't like that's the whole thing. Why did they why why did the inner circle who knew that this uh, commander's name and like give me a break with name dropping the Pentagon like that's pure white driven snow enough with that (laughs) business, but. The idea that Joe Ooh. Theismann Mark an anti-government. I love the, that. the idea that Joe the is brought into the inner circle as a secret keeper. It's a, that shows you that the, that Washington has not figured out entirely how to run its own. Well, show. they
4: gotta like tell him. You're right. They should have just said, "Show up at t- at 2 p.m. at the press conference, and we'll we'll see you there, Joe." And I'm not, you know, waving a flag as a patriot,
2: Mark, but I don't think he was saying anything specifically about. The Pentagon is a pure as the driven snow entity. He just said there's a lot of commanders in Washington, D.C. and the Pentagon. Well,
3: that's true. I I don't disagree with that, that those are their titles.
2: <laughs> so anyway, when the news comes out and they're the, you know, the Washington, you know, Robins or whatever, I, like I don't then you're going to find out this is all much ado, about nothing. But uh, Joe, good. Good to know you. Never change. Um, all right. I think we got everything. It turned into a supersized Tuesday show. That's not what we aim for typically, but uh, Mark, that's somehow sometimes that's just the way things go.
3: We are we are incapable of doing a show under eighty five minutes, and so I don't know what super is or regular size at this point. It is what we do, and we will not cease.
2: You sound enthusiastic about uh, the product and the podcast and being a part
3: of it. No, I, I am I. I'm claiming more fact that we keep talking. We continue like, hey, we'll be a nice tight forty-five minutes today, and then another forty minutes um, goes on top of it. If they listen and enjoy it, I'm happy that it's that long. Double it. Let's make a minutes. More, more time, more, minutes.
4: more more ads, and that's what I'm really looking for. You know, right
2: someone getting rich some commander in the
4: pentagon Bingo. getting that guap <laughs> i still want to know what mark was so mad at during the brady back and forth but i think it was just generally my opinions i think that was no I, I don't
3: it. even at this point i don't even remember back that far so
4: it was two days ago in mark's yeah.
2: defense <laughs> tom brady retired that's such old news now no dude you're still recording that same episode oh really <laughs> All right, we'll be back Thursday. It's I think it's our annual "Don't say the Super Bowl" episode. We 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 will not utter that uh, that phrase on Thursday's show, but we will be talking about something, presumably, and it will take
4: about an hour and a half to do so. Until we can do then, 40, I think we can do forty five on Thursday. Morning.
3: See, this is what I'm talking about. It's not that it's not that I have any issue, Dan, with the actual right. length of the show. It's this. It's this mystical conceit we go in. With that, it's you know, oh, I'll I'll tell someone I'll be someone an hour, and then I'm forty five minutes late Mm. because the show is one hundred and eighty seven minutes long.
2: Right? Who you got? Who you meeting up with later? Right. What's going on? Where you going?
3: I've learned to say that I can meet no one ever now. That's my new. I've learned by now.
4: You're 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 yeah. You're (laughs) conflicting. Yeah. Yeah, Where you going? I have learned by now.
3: And would you end the show? (laughs) Just take us like just let's go.
2: All right. Until Thursday. He's the cop. Exactly.